We, uh, we have come to this, the, the, the final, Deadly Sin, the seventh on our list of sloth. Now, in comparison to the others, this vice, if, if you could actually call it a vice, it seems at face value to be a bit trivial. And therefore, for many people, this particular deadly sin is one of, if not the most perplexing of the seven. Uh, Because not only is it a bit tricky to define, but it's hard to see why it's considered anywhere near as serious as, say, for example, pride. Or anger, even gluttony. After all, whenever we think of sloth, if we ever actually think of it at all, we typically think of laziness. And to quote one writer, does laziness really rank with the sins of envy and lust in its evil and destructive power? Since when was sitting on the couch watching reruns of The Office and munching on a bag of crisps a moral and spiritual failure of the first order? And we kind of laugh at that because there's a sense in which if we're honest, if we're really honest, we share that perspective a little. And we can understand where someone who rates that is coming from. Plus, whenever we consider how busy life is these days, 21st century Western culture, how frantic, how demanding, how non-stop, you could argue that this deadly sin should in fact be seen more as a virtue than a vice. We should embrace a bit of sloth. We all need to slow down. As I was uh, preparing for this during the week, I came across this fascinating uh, book or quote from uh, Evelyn Waugh who said this, Most of the world's troubles seem to come from people who are too busy. If only politicians and scientists were lazier, how much happier we should all be. The lazy person is preserved from the commission of almost all the nastier crimes. And then, as I say, book, sloth. And I'm going to quote from, from someone's review of it. Written as a rollicking parody of the self-help genre. And here's how it describes itself. With tongue-in-cheek, sloth guides readers step-by-step step forward toward a, com- a, non- a life of non-committal inertia. You have a right to be lazy, claims this lady. You can choose not to respond. You can choose not to move. Readers will find out the importance of lethargerosis, the process of eliminating energy and drive, the vital first step in becoming a sloth. To help you attain the perfect state of indolent bliss, the book offers a wealth of self-help aids. Readers will find the sloth songbook, sloth breakfast bars, sloth documentaries, and the Sloth Network Channel 823 programming guaranteed not to stimulate or challenge in any way. Readers will also learn, this is all from the back cover of this book, readers will also learn the top ten lies about Sloth, the ten commandments of Sloth. You will will discover how to become a Sloth in your diet, in your exercise, in your work, and even in your love life. Because true love leads to passion, she warns, and passion is the biggest enemy of Sloth. And copies of that book are available at the back after the service. And the the point is in all of this that it kind of is a wee bit of a joke to talk about it like this as one of the seven deadly sins. 
to describe it as deadly is extreme. And in some ways, therefore, it's a bit of a pity we're ending here with this one. And I have to be honest that whenever I uh, decided or whenever we decided to do this series and I looked down the list of seven, there were certain sins that made me think, you know, it's going to be a challenge, a real challenge to speak about that issue and that subject in church. It's going to be interesting how people react to a sermon on gluttony or even on lust. Or there are those vices in that list that have the potential to create a definite level of soul searching like pride or or envy. But with sloth, I was pretty indifferent about it. The prospect of speaking of it or about it left me feeling rather apathetic, which is ironic. But you know, as I've read into this, and as I've thought about what I would say this evening, I've actually realized this is a huge issue. Massive. A vitally important vice to address. It's actually a life-changing sin to consider. And therefore, I'm glad we're finishing here with this vice. Now, right up front, it's important to say that laziness is one type of sloth. Sloth. If you look up any dictionary definition, the word lazy will appear. And the Bible, particularly the book of Proverbs, which is packed with wise advice and touches on very practical everyday living, it speaks about the dangers of laziness. Time and time again, the writer of Proverbs warns about idleness, And talks about what will happen if if that way of life becomes habitual. He writes or she writes about the the person who's become a a sluggard. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. Sluggard is just a lazy person. A slothful person. And that particular proverb, that particular little wisdom gem... They're saying, listen, there is a place for diligent work. There's a place for having a really good work ethic, a bit like the ant. And those of you who are lazy, you, so you need to go and see how the ants operate. They've got a great work ethic. And then he goes on, how long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. And he paints this picture of a lazy person just lying around. Content to let life pass him by and when opportunity comes, he's out of it. When the time is right, unfortunately his eyes are shut so he doesn't see the opportunities that present themselves. And time and time again in this book, we are warned about the futility of laziness. Here's one of my favorite quotes from the book of Proverbs. As the door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. And here you have this idea of a door just staying on its hinges, swaying back and forward, going nowhere. And unlike a worker who's meant to go out through the door and into the field, the sluggard, the slothful person, well, they never ventures out. All they do is just get in and out of bed. And the writer of Proverbs says, be careful. So laziness is a type of sloth. It's one dimension of it. And there are those 
Although, I guess it's unlikely there are any here. But there are those who do need to be challenged about their attitude to work and their tendency to avoid it, their unwillingness to get up and go. But as I say, I doubt if any of those kind of people are here. The very fact you are here says something in itself. But I want to take this further because we actually make a rather grave mistake if we see sloth as simply lying in bed too much or vegetating in front of the TV for too many hours. If that's how we see it, if that's what we think about when we think of this deadly sin, we've made a grave mistake. And to begin to come to terms with this face and to get our heads and hearts attuned to its deeper meaning, you've actually got to go back to the original understanding that was framed and expressed by the Desert Fathers in the 4th century AD, by those people from the early church. Whenever this actual list, if you were here at the night when we introduced this series, that's when this list came to be. And you need to go back then to discover, well, well, what had they in mind when they spoke of this one? Why did they have it on their list? We can, as I say, understand why they had lust and anger and pride, but why this one? And for these early Christians, sloth or however you pronounce that particular Latin word that they often used, this was a sin, this was a vice that as far as they were concerned deserved huge attention. Because this could drive someone and this is, this is the key thing I really just want you to take away from this here. As far as they were concerned, this deadly sin could drive someone to substantially reduce or even totally abandon their commitment to God. That, that's how serious this one was for them. And so as a vice, sloth at its very core, it's not primarily as far as they were concerned about physical inactivity. It was about spiritual indifference and apathy. And that's a huge temptation to all of us. It's about getting to that place, that point, or dangerously close to it, where you say, do you know something? I just don't care anymore about my spiritual life. I can't be bothered. I've reached a place of spiritual weariness. And so this is such a serious vice because your, your entire commitment to God is at stake. Someone has put it like this, and I found this very helpful, a real wake-up call regarding the danger of indifference. The sin of sloth is not characterized so much in rebellion against God because in rebellion against God at least we are doing something. But indifference does Nothing. Apathy towards matters of faith, a lax approach to the spiritual disciplines, boredom with worship, that all smacks of sloth. And whenever we become too busy with many things, but regarding the things of God, we just become complacent, we become listless, we become negligent, well then sloth is quite possibly starting to tighten its grip on our lives. And for me, that's what I find challenging about this. Because have I developed a lax approach with regard to the spiritual disciplines? 
How much time this week have I spent in prayer? Personal reading of God's word. In silence. In confession. Fasting. In worship. And could it be that I've just adopted a bit of a take it or leave it approach to those sort of things? And could it be then that sloth's beginning to tighten its grip on my life? And it's this indifferent attitude toward faith and discipleship that can then lead to that incredibly dangerous spiritual state of lukewarm Christianity. We're neither hot nor cold. That we've become this condition that we're warned against in Revelation 3 as the Lord speaks into the life of a church in Laodicea. Because their complacency, their half-hearted commitment, their I-couldn't-care-less attitude actually made Jesus sick. And the graphic disturbing imagery of Jesus vomiting emphasizes the seriousness of that particular spiritual condition, lukewarm Christianity. Where I just don't care really anymore. I've just become apathetic. And I want to suggest that the sin of sloth, this this lax take it or leave it approach to our faith can or will lead us there. And that's why it is so deadly. So it's serious, but it's also subtle. And this is part of the problem, I think, with this one. It kind of lies under the radar. And maybe that's why it's so effective in many Christians' lives compared to the other Six on our list. Because lust, anger, and greed are immediately recognizable. We all know what they look like. In fact, we all know what they feel like. They're such aggressive sins, tempting us in very tangible ways. But sloth, well, it's not so upfront. It's not so easy to identify. It almost works behind the scenes, onto the surface, chipping away or attempting to chip away at your commitment to God and to the things of God. And slowly it tries to erode your passion. And it instills this sort of blasé attitude towards what really matters. And it feeds and it fosters this line of thinking that reasons, do you know something? Why do I This isn't the same as it used to be. Prayer doesn't work. Righteousness doesn't pay. God's a million miles away from me. I should just give up. I should just pack it in. And as spiritual apathy and indifference sink their nails into our Christian lives... You then find that that joy, that sense of wonder, that love of worship, that love of life in God that you once had, you find it starting to reduce or even starting to dull or it all starts to lose its edge. All I'm asking is, could it be that spiritual indifference and apathy, sloth, started to tighten its grip on our lives? I don't know if anybody can identify with that. Now, what I'm not saying, and as I was preparing for this, I really, I mean, I always risk being misunderstood. But what I'm not saying is that in the Christian life there won't be and shouldn't be days like that. 
There will be times of struggle in our our Christian faith. There will be days, there will be times whenever we find it really hard to keep going. There will be days whenever God seems distant. There will be days whenever prayer feels pointless. I mean, as I read scripture, and particularly as I read the Psalms, I find some very honest expressions there from Christians who are frustrated with the Christian life, who are frustrated with God, who are frustrated with faith. I find people in dark places. I find Christians at low points in the Psalms. And I don't believe that that automatically means or reveals that they have succumbed to the sin of sloth. Please, I don't want anybody to think that. Or that they've become a casualty of this particular sin. But whenever in a person's life they may be in that kind of place and there is no yet will I praise you. Which is what we discover in so many of the Psalms of Lament. Yes, people are in low places. People are struggling to know where God is. But yet, they say, yet will I praise you. Whenever spiritual weariness sets in, whenever hope begins to go, whenever we lose all passion for life, for goodness, for laughter, for joy, whenever we stop thinking about others for long periods of time, whenever it seems like forever since we sat back in amazement at the sheer beauty of God and his world and the people he's made in his image, whenever we have lost our hunger for God, or whenever we feel that to stay true to our commitment to God has become intolerable, then maybe, just maybe, sloth has fixed its grip around our spiritual throats. And I know a number of people who are there. A number of people who are really struggling. For whom it's been a long time since they recognized a deep hunger for God. And sloth begins with when you lose your appetite for God. When you lose your taste for God because sooner or later if you lose your taste for God you begin to develop a taste for other things and then God gets sidelined and he no longer occupies the place in your life that he once enjoyed the place in your life that he absolutely deserves sloth is the failure to love God with all one's heart all one's mind and all one's soul was how someone defined it. Peter Kreeft in his book Back to Virtue says, Sloth is laziness in our chief work. What is our chief work? To love God with all our heart, soul, strength and mind. To love our neighbour as ourselves. And whenever we've become lazy or indifferent about those priorities, those responsibilities, then maybe, just maybe, I'm just putting this out here this evening, just asking you to take this away and think about this. Maybe, just maybe, it's as a result of us becoming the victim of this sin. Okay, well that's a lot about it and maybe quite negative in some ways, but what's the remedy? How do you confront it? 
Well, I want to come at this from a few different angles. To start with, I do want to go back to Proverbs, and I do want to address this initial type of sloth that we spoke about. Yes, pure physical laziness, because that is, as I said at the start, a type of sloth. The always lying around, the missing opportunities, the door and the hinges type. And what we find in that wisdom literature is that, again, time and time, the writer doesn't just talk about the sluggard, but he says, listen, here's what I want to say into your lives. Things like lazy hands make a poor man, but diligent hands bring wealth. Now, the thing about Proverbs, and it's always dangerous to quote quote Proverbs in, in a church sometimes. And the reason it's dangerous is that we need to understand that Proverbs are principles to live by. They are the way life tends to work rather than definite promises or total guarantees because you and I all know people who work really, really hard but still get very little. And so you can't just say that diligent hands bring wealth because that is not always the case. So this is a principle. But by and large, what the writer of Proverbs is saying is, listen, hard work pays. If you put the effort in, you will get something out. But I'll guarantee you this, laziness will always end in poverty. Always. Or this proverb, diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. Those who work hard, says the writer, have a better chance of doing well, whereas the sluggard reduces his or her chances considerably. And so the Bible really does speak about this particular type of sloth in a very direct way. Pure laziness in the raw sense is confronted by just working hard. Now we're not talking about workaholism. That's a whole other subject in itself. I mean some people think, okay, well let's punch in endless hours of activity. That is no remedy for sloth. That's the road to disaster and dysfunction. In fact, if sloth at a deeper level is about spiritual indifference and apathy, it's all about losing your appetite for God. If that's what it really is at a very deep level, then a workaholic is in great danger of falling prey to this sin because he or she has clearly developed a taste for another God and has actually elevated work to a place it was never meant to be elevated to and therefore really risks spiritual indifference and apathy towards the one true God. Let me come at this from a slightly different angle. Because commitment in any relationship, and remember, Christianity is a love relationship between the creator and the creator, created, between a father and his children. But being committed in any relationship that we are involved in requires a willingness to invest, to sacrifice, to make an effort, to practice certain disciplines, whether we feel like them or not, so that our love is renewed, so that our love is refreshed, so that the commitment to that relationship is kept alive. That's just the way it works. If we don't invest, if we don't engage in certain disciplines, then relationships do fall apart. Because love isn't refreshed, love isn't renewed, commitment isn't kept alive. And if sloth attacks commitment, if it tries to make us indifferent, if it tries to make us apathetic, it undermines the desire to develop and deepen relationships, particularly and primarily our relationship with the Creator God. And so sloth resists any effort required to keep the bonds of love strong and living and healthy. 
And so it encourages us to become lazy about nurturing our relationship with God. And we all know that we've got to nurture that relationship with God. God reaches out to us, has reached out to us, to us, continues to reach out to us. But we've got to reach back out to him. He's given us all we need to live the godly life. But as Peter says, we've got to make every effort. It's not about working for our salvation. It's about working out our salvation. We have a responsibility If you like to make this relationship work. It's a two-way thing. God doesn't force us to engage in it and to love him to that level. He longs for us to choose to do that. But Slow says, listen, be lazy about nurturing your personal relationship with God. Don't invest in it. Become apathetic. Become lazy about prayer. Or silence. Or meditating on scripture. Those are the disciplines in this relationship that sustain it, that enhance it, that strengthen it. And sloth, the deadly sin of sloth, will seek to resist the demands of this investment. It will fuel indifference. It thrives on the why bother attitude. It promotes the I couldn't care less mentality. And therefore, let me say something that I know I've said so many times, that in the midst of our busy, frenetic lives, we must create space, we must create time to practice the spiritual disciplines, the holy habits. And in my own life, I've confessed this before, but I have come to realize over the years that as I kind of trace my relationship with God, as I trace my spiritual journey, those times whenever I feel connected, I'm not saying when things are going well, I'm just saying whenever I really feel connected, whenever I am nurturing this relationship, is when those practices are part of my life. And whenever I'm struggling to know where God is, whenever I am going through real tough stuff at times in my Christian life, I often find that these things have disappeared. And if we're going to guard our hearts, which according to the writer of Proverbs, is so important above all else guard them because it affects everything you do. And if we're going to nurture this love relationship, this relationship of the heart, if we're going to avoid complacency, then these are essential. Sloth will attack that intention. Create and feed indifference and lead us to what all sloth leads to, which is nothing. Doing nothing or doing very little. So if sloth is the vice, what's the virtue? Nearly done. Well, again, if you go back to the, and this probably just makes obvious sense, but if you go back to the desert fathers, those early Christians who thought long and hard about these deadly sins, for them there were at least two virtues, and they were this. Maybe quite similar ones. Courageous endurance and perseverance time and time again the Bible stresses the need for these let us run with perseverance or with endurance the race that's marked out for us well sloth will stop us running it will entice us to give up to bail out whereas these virtues these are the virtues that actually prompt you to keep going to stay the course endurance perseverance 
keep practicing those disciplines. They'll enable you to run well. They'll enable you to finish strong. But there's two more virtues that combat this vice. Passion and joy. Because you see, if sloth instills an I can't be bothered attitude to life in general, yes, but in particular the spiritual life, then a passion for life and a joy in life will confront it head on. But where do you go in your pursuit of passion and joy? How do you nurture those? Well, this takes us to the discipline for this evening and where I want to finish. And for those who are visiting or for those who have forgotten, each week we've, as we've been going through this series, we've talked about a vice, then a virtue, and then a discipline. And so last week, for example, we looked at the vice of lust, the virtue of purity, and the discipline of community and fellowship. Well, this evening, if sloth is the vice, if passion and joy are the virtues, then I want to suggest that worship is the discipline. That's the way out of sloth. That's the way to loosen its grip in your life. That's the way towards passion and joy. It lies in learning to worship God and enjoy God. Not just in what we sing, but in living a life of worship. In expressing praise and thanks to God for his grace and goodness. Not just in here, but as a daily habit of life. It lies in acknowledging who God is. Taking a step back and saying, this is who God is and this is what he has done for me. And expanding our vision of God and giving us a view of life that just blows our minds. And encourages us to reach a place saying, you know, I will worship with all of my heart. All of my heart, all of my soul, all of my strength, all of my mind. And if I worship God with that intensity... Well, then that confronts sloth in a very, very direct way. Because if it is spiritual indifference, whenever you are engaged in passionate worship, whenever you are somebody who is committed to learning to worship God to that extent with your entire being and with your entire life so that whatever you do, you do it for the glory of God. If that is what you're learning or how you're learning to live your life, then I suggest that sloth will struggle to get its grip on our lives. It's overcome when we learn, as Paul says, to rejoice in the Lord always. Always. No matter what we are going through, that we will find our joy in the source of life-changing and life-defining joy, which is Almighty God. It's not about happiness. It's about joy. And whenever you get to that place, whenever you pursue that, then this face is gripped loosens in our lives.